Military murder is an independent project and is not endorsed by the Department of Defense or any military component. The views expressed are those of the host. The content of this podcast is not meant to be legal or medical advice. Warning, this episode contains graphic details of murder and is not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, True Crime Army. I am your host, Margot, and this is Military Murder, a show where I focus on crimes committed by military members and veterans. But don't worry, you don't have to know anything about the military to listen, I promise. You just have to be a true crime enthusiast. And if that's you, welcome home. True Crime Army, welcome, welcome, welcome. Two years ago, when I set out to activate an army of true crimers just like me, I never knew how many case recommendations I'd get. As you all know, I take recommendations for cases, and many cases I've never even heard of. And while the case I'm talking about today has been recommended a few times in the last two years, I can honestly say that it has been recommended a few dozen times in just the last four months. And after I did some research, it's with good reason. Today's case is a tale as old as time, but the callousness with which this crime occurred will have you wondering how can there be such evilness in this world? Join me today as I bring you the story of Sergeant Tyrone Hassel III. Now, let's dig in. To prepare for this episode, I watched a fully litigated trial aired on the Law & Crime Network. I watched an episode of Oxygen's Killer Couples, and I watched an episode of Fatal Attraction. Sergeant Tyrone Hassel III and his young wife, Kamaya Hassel, were a dual military couple, and they were stationed at Fort Stewart, Georgia. They had recently returned stateside from a nine-month deployment to Korea, and this was in 2018. They were excited to spend the holidays with Tyrone's family in Benton Harbor, Michigan. It was New Year's Eve 2018, and Tyrone III had just arrived at his father's house a little before 11 p.m., to drop off some food for his wife, who was home alone with their one-year-old son. Tyrone dropped the food off and was about to get into his truck when shots rang out. Maya heard the shots and looked out the window, where she saw her husband slumped over on the side of his truck. She ran to his side as she hysterically dialed 911. Please, please, please come. My husband has been shot. Tyrone Hassel III was born on August 23, 1995. He was born to his very proud parents, Tyrone Hassel Jr. and LaShonda Jones, in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Tyrone Jr. described his son as a very bright and active kid, the kind of son you can only dream of having. Tyrone Jr. said that Tyrone III was the type of kid who just did what he was supposed to do. You didn't have to get on him to get good grades, to get involved. He just did it. Growing up in Benton Harbor, Tyrone III played in the marching band, he was a member of Junior ROTC, and he was part of the Kappa League. He also played basketball and other recreational sports with friends. He graduated from high school in 2013 with honors. After high school, he attended Grand Valley State University on scholarship, and life was heading in the right direction. And this was no surprise to anyone. It was surprising, however, to his mother at least, when Tyrone III told her in 2015, while he was in college, that he was feeling the need to serve his country. 
he wanted to join the army. Miss LaShonda admits that she was not too keen on the idea of her baby boy possibly deploying, but like in all of my stories, there wasn't much that this mama bear could do. He had made up his mind and he was going. And high-achieving Tyrone III would prove to be a force in the military, moving up the army ranks quite quickly. He joined in 2015 and by October of 2017, he had put on the rank of army sergeant, which is E5. But wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. Tyrone III was stationed in Colorado at some point, and it was while he was stationed in this beautiful state that he met another soldier who made his heart skip a beat, Kamaya Martin. When he met her, he thought she was everything. He told his family about her and they met her and, and they were like, OK, all right. She looks like she has her life together. Tyrone told his dad that he wanted to marry her. And his dad was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Slow it down. Don't just get married because you want to make more money in the military. You know, because Tyrone Jr. had heard that young soldiers, they often get shacked up quick to get more money. But Tyrone III assured his dad that he really loved Kamaya. He was getting married for love. So he proposed and Kamaya said yes. And in 2016, they tied the knot. And like most young military couples, they didn't wait long before growing the Hassel family. In February of 2017, Kamaya gave birth to her own little Tyrone. They named the baby Tyrone Hassel IV. While I have not seen a picture of this young boy, I can only imagine what he looked like. Chubby cheeks, cute little face. Kamaya was in love with her son, and she lovingly gave him the nickname Chunk, which appears to have stuck. And Tyrone III was quite the family man. Not only did he provide for his young bride and their son, but Tyrone also provided for his siblings. During this time in their early relationship, Tyrone's brother back home in Michigan, he graduated from high school and Tyrone really wanted his brother to expand his horizons. So Tyrone had his brother move in with him and Kamaya in Colorado. Tyrone's brother lived with the couple for a few months and the Hassels soon got orders to Fort Stewart, Georgia. It was at this point that Tyrone's brother moved out of the home and the Hassels purchased the house in Georgia. But not even a few months after Kamaya and Tyrone unpacked their boxes in Georgia when boom, they were both hit with deployment orders, both of them at the same exact time. And this time they were heading to Korea. But because they were in different units, they wouldn't actually be spending a lot of time together, even though they were deploying to the same location. Now, one-year-old baby Chunk had to experience his first separation from both mom and dad. And I say this all the time. Military life is hard. Military life for an active duty military couple is harder. So in February of 2018, Kamaya and Tyrone left little Chunk behind. Chunk spent a few months with Tyrone Jr. and his family. And then a few months later, he spent time with Kamaya's family. By all accounts, the deployment went slow and then it went fast. And then boom, in October of 2018, Kamaya and Tyrone were back stateside and their little family of three was beaming. That holiday was going to be a great reunion for everyone. Nine months is a long time. So decompressing back home would be ideal. And for Christmas 2018, the Hassels drove back to Benton Harbor, Michigan. They were staying with Tyrone Jr., it was Kamaya, Tyrone the third, and Tyrone the fourth, and the three family dogs. And Tyrone was so happy because not only would he get to see his family, 
But this go around, Tyrone was planning on bringing his little sister to stay with him in Kamaya in Georgia. You see, it was almost like the family tradition at this point. The young sister had recently graduated, and again, Tyrone wanted her to see the world outside of Michigan. That Christmas, everyone seemed to really be enjoying themselves, and this was Chunk's second Christmas. The day after Christmas, Tyrone III told Kamaya, hey, let's get things packing, let's hit the road to Georgia. But Kamaya, she was having way too much fun. They had block leave, so they didn't have to be back until the new year. And if you've ever been in this position before, you just know how hard it is to leave your family during the holidays. And Kamaya was feeling a little extra homesick and she just wanted to stay. Tyrone III was not one to argue with Kamaya, who he called his queen, by the way. On New Year's Eve, the plan was to celebrate nearby at a house about six minutes from Tyrone Jr.'s house and Tyrone Jr.'s the father. But by nightfall, Kamaya just wasn't feeling it. She had an almost two-year-old and she knew he would not make it till midnight. And anyone with toddlers knows sometimes it's just easier to save yourself the butt pain and just stay home. So Kamaya stayed put. Tyrone didn't fight her. Him, his father, and five other people were nearby. They were just six minutes away. It was like two and a half miles away. And they were just having a cookout. A little after 10 p.m.-ish though, Tyrone and Kamaya were on the phone together and he told her he was going to bring her a plate of food so that she could eat. Tyrone III was very considerate this way. He understood Kamaya was alone and while he was out enjoying the new year with his family, he wanted to bring her a plate of food so that she could at least have a good meal. Tyrone III wrapped up the food back at the other house and he told his dad, hey dad, I'm going to be right back. Tyrone Hassel Jr., his dad, told Tyrone, hurry back, you better be here before midnight. Tyrone Jr. later explains that people in Benton Harbor are actually quite famous for shooting off their guns at midnight on New Year's, and it can actually be quite dangerous. Which, by the way, I had no idea that this was a thing. But then I heard an episode of Early Departures where they talk about this same exact thing, and holy crap! Why would anyone think it's a good idea to shoot guns into the air for no reason? I mean, it's completely absurd to me. But anyway, the thought in Tyrone Jr.'s mind was fleeting, but he continued to cook. Minutes later, though, his phone rang and it was Kamaya. She was crying and she told him that Tyrone III had been shot outside his house. (gasps) Tyrone Jr. was stunned. He was frozen in himself for like a few seconds before he jumped into his car and raced home. When he arrived, paramedics and police were already at the house and they had begun to secure the perimeter, but not quite enough because as Tyrone Jr. looked out near his house, he saw his son being placed on a gurney and he describes seeing his son covered in blood and he saw the back of Tyrone III's head had been blown out. Tyrone III's eyes were still open, but Tyrone Jr., he knew, he knew there was no way that his son would survive whatever the hell just happened to him. At this moment, Tyrone Jr. tried to comprehend what was happening. Meanwhile, Kamaya was hysterical. She was so hysterical, in fact, that she tried to climb into the ambulance. She actually had to be dragged away. At this point, Tyrone III had a slight pulse. The paramedics had to work quickly and with diligence. The ambulance raced to the hospital and Tyrone was immediately taken into the operating room. But as they were transporting him through the hallway, 
Tyrone's stepmother, Ashanti Hassel, she was an ER nurse and she worked at that hospital. She heard that her stepson was being rushed into the OR and everything was happening so fast that she tried to comprehend what the hell was happening. But but it's not too much longer when one of the surgeons comes out and tells Ashanti that Tyrone Hassel III, he didn't make it. Ashanti falls to her knees and she screams, no, no, no. Hi, everyone. For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire, defined, toned, and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4 a.m. workouts. But I get the oomph to wake up at 4 a.m. and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer. And she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy, and it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients, which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus. Which, listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code MAMAMARGO at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, sup as in Sierra, uniform, papa, papa, dot com. Add energy explosion to your car and use my code MAMAMARGO, that's M-A-M-A-M-A-R-G-O-T, for 15% off. Enjoy, and when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. Back on Colfax Avenue, police have all hands on deck. Benton Harbor Police, St. Joseph Township Police, Michigan State Police. I mean, the new year has rung in and then more gunfire rings out because remember, it's Benton Harbor. So the situation is tense because they're trying to figure out if the gunfire is in celebration or if it's in connection to Tyrone's murder. Officer Dyer arrives on scene with his canine Max and Max almost immediately picks up a scent kind of in the back near a clearing with a few trees between two sheds. Now, Sergeant Dyer asks other officers like, hey, hey, has anybody been in this area recently? And they all say no. Now, it's kind of a weird place to pick up a scent, right? The ground was wet from rain and there wasn't really much back there. Why would anyone be standing in that location? Unless, of course, they're up to no good. But then Sergeant Dyer sees footprints. And Max, the dog, he takes Sergeant Dyer through the clearing and then kind of through some houses. And then Max starts doing circles in the middle of an empty driveway. And it's an empty driveway of a vacant house with a for sale sign on it. Sergeant Dyer later testifies that when the dog goes in circles like this, that's his sign to indicate that the scent has ended. This immediately leads detectives to believe that whoever shot Tyrone may have actually gotten into a car parked in this very driveway. While this is going on, police are interviewing Kamaya, 
They're asking her if she knows anything. And she's like, no, no, I don't know anything. She didn't see anything. She didn't hear anything besides just those gunshots. Now, she says he dropped off the food. He wasn't there very long. And as soon as he left, boom, that's when he was gunned down. Now, police are wondering if the motive was robbery, but that is quickly ruled out as the keys to Tyrone's very nice truck. They're laying right next to him in his blood. His phone and his wallet are in the truck and he even has some cash on him. Police asked Tyrone Jr., hey, does Tyrone have any enemies? And Tyrone Jr., he was baffled. He's like, he's like, listen, y'all, Tyrone doesn't even live in the area. He definitely doesn't have any enemies here. The next day, police get a little bit of a lead, though, when they're canvassing the area and an older couple named Walter and Fern Nost say they remember seeing a car parked across the street in the driveway of the house that was for sale. Bingo. They also recall that at around 9.30 p.m., the person got out of the car, went into the backseat of the car to retrieve something, and then they left on foot. Fern, the wife, she recalled that she heard the gunshots at around 11, and then she soon heard the ambulance. After she rung in the new year, she peeked out her window and she noticed that the car that had been parked in the empty lot was now gone. This was extremely helpful to the investigation because while they could not make out a plate, it confirmed what they thought all along. Whoever shot Tyrone appeared to have stalked him. Tyrone's autopsy was conducted on January 2nd and it confirmed as well that he had been gunned down multiple times. He was struck roughly five times. The gun was fired at close range and one of the shots was fired actually only one to three feet away, causing there to be gunpowder residue on Tyrone. This seemed like a really personal murder and there was no way this was a case of mistaken identity because whoever gunned Tyrone down meant to kill him because they saw him as they were shooting him. So the police department holds a brief press conference to inform the public of the shooting and the fact that the shooter was still on the run, but they didn't release a lot of information. And for the following week, detectives interview everyone they could think of, but everything leads to a dead end. But then they receive an anonymous call from Fort Stewart, Georgia, a person that told detectives, hey, you need to look into Kamaya Hassel because she's been having an affair with another soldier in her unit. While police are getting this phone call, Kamaya Hassel was staying at Tyrone Jr.'s house while she organized Tyrone's funeral. Chunk was too little to even know that his life was forever changed. But then on January 11th, Tyrone Jr. got a phone call from the lead detective. He was told that he and Kamaya needed to come down to the station immediately. Of course, they dropped everything they were doing and they beelined to the station. Detectives took Kamaya to a back room and Tyrone Jr. just kind of stood there looking around like, all right, do y'all need to tell me anything? And they informed him that they really only needed to talk to Kamaya. Now, Tyrone Jr. asked aloud, should I wait? And they simply told him, probably not. It's going to be a long night. And immediately, Tyrone Jr. knew something wasn't right. Kamaya Hassel was taken to an interview room where she was interviewed by Officer Lanier. Lieutenant Picker was also in the room, but it appears that Officer Lanier was doing the questioning. At a little before 9 p.m., they read Kamaya her Miranda rights, 
but she waived her rights and agreed to speak to police. Officer Lanier asked Kamaya what she knew about her husband's murder, and Kamaya denied knowing anything about his murder. But then detectives asked her if she knew a man by the name of Jeremy Cuellar. And Kamaya was taken aback. Yes, she actually did know a guy named Jeremy. He was one of her co-workers at Fort Stewart. Again, Lanier asked Kamaya if she and Jeremy had anything going on with each other. Were they having a fling, an affair, anything? Lanier basically told Kamaya, hey, listen, there's rumors flying around base about you and Jeremy. And Kamaya denied the affair. She was baffled. She said she was faithful to her husband. But, but you know, Kamaya kept asking Lanier or more like pestering him, wanting to know, hey, what exactly are people saying about Jeremy and I? She was like, listen, if I'm going to be part of the tea, I want to know what people are saying. And for almost an hour, Lanier was not really getting anywhere with Kamaya. So he asked Kamaya if she was willing to speak to a different detective who just wanted to speak to her. And Kamaya agreed. After all, she didn't have anything to hide. By this point, it's pretty late at night and they drive Kamaya from Benton Harbor, Michigan to Lansing, Michigan. And there she meets with Lieutenant Andrew Lunguski. And it's during this interrogation that Lieutenant Lunguski told Kamaya that he knows what happens because Jeremy was talking and she needed to get out ahead of the story. And when Kamaya heard that Jeremy Cuellar spilled the beans, she starts talking and the story she told left even this seasoned investigator shook. Kamaya admitted that she met Jeremy a few months before Korea. He worked with her and they all deployed together. It was during the Korea deployment when he and her lived in the same barracks that they got a little bit closer and then a little bit closer and eventually began an affair. She told Lunguski that Tyrone was not a bad husband. He just wasn't taking care of her the way she wanted to be taken care of. And Jeremy was filling all the gaps. And while she was in Korea, her and Tyrone got into an argument. And it was after that argument that Jeremy told Kamaya that he could take care of it. And to be honest, Kamaya thought that the insurance money was just a bonus. And that's when they began to plot Tyrone's murder. They knew all along that they would try to do it while they were on block leave in Michigan, because that way there would be no ties to them doing it. Additionally, it was easy because Jeremy Cuellar was taking his block leave in Chicago, which was only about 90 minutes from Benton Harbor, Michigan. Kamaya admitted to police that her and Jeremy communicated over an application called Snapchat. And she further admitted that if they found those Snapchats, that it would appear as though Kamaya was pushing the murder plot. But during her interrogation, she tried to downplay her entire part in the murder plot. When the detective asked her why murder instead of divorce, Kamaya didn't really give an answer, besides saying that she asked Tyrone once and he just wasn't having it. When the detectives asked Kamaya if Tyrone even did anything to hurt her, Kamaya said absolutely not. And the most shocking thing that she said during her interrogation was that the man she was having an affair with, this guy named Jeremy Cuellar, he actually put hands on her before, but he met all her other needs. So she disregarded the fact that he had been physical with her on occasion. Kamaya's biggest problem with Tyrone III was that he wasn't very affectionate and he barely helped with Chunk. In fact, Kamaya was upset that she worked just as hard as Tyrone in the military, but when she got home from work, she was doing everything according to her. 
She even said that she could count on one hand the amount of times that Tyrone helped with Chunk, whether gave him a bottle or gave him a bath. Whereas Jeremy, he did anything and everything for her. And he was even filling in for Chunk. Kamaya further admitted that she was not happy with the fact that Tyrone was going to be taking his sister back to live with them. She was very upset the first time when Tyrone brought out his brother to live with them in Colorado. She knew she would be miserable with the sister living with them, and she further knew it would be harder to kill Tyrone with his sister around in Georgia. So she wanted it done while they were in Michigan. But wait, the plot thickens. Not only did they execute Tyrone on New Year's Eve, Jeremy had actually been stalking Tyrone for a few days while they were on leave in Michigan, but he never had a clear opportunity to get the job done. And actually, by the time that Tyrone called Kamaya to tell her he was bringing food home on New Year's Eve, Jeremy Cuellar had abandoned the plan and he was on his way back to Chicago because he thought he had missed his window. When all of a sudden, he got a Snapchat from Kamaya telling him to come back because Tyrone was on his way to bring her food. So Kamaya used Tyrone's own goodwill against him. During the first formation after holiday block leave, Tyrone's commander at Fort Stewart in Georgia told everyone about Tyrone's passing. Everyone was shocked, but one person in particular by the name of Hamilton was really shocked. Hamilton went back to his room at roughly 6.30 in the morning after hearing the news, and that's when his friend Jeremy Cuellar met him at his room and said, quote, it's done. And Hamilton was like, what? What? Because he remembered a conversation from six months earlier. But the two couldn't chat too much because they had something else to do. But later that morning, Jeremy returned to Hamilton's room and Jeremy told Hamilton exactly how he killed Tyrone. Now, this Hamilton cat doesn't know how to feel after he hears this. You see, Jeremy Cuellar had told Hamilton in June of 2018 while they were deployed to Korea that he and Kamaya were planning on killing her husband, Tyrone. But Hamilton thought Jeremy was kidding. Who the hell plans that and then actually tells people about it? But now Hamilton knows Tyrone is in fact dead, murdered while he was on leave. And now he has Jeremy saying that he was the one that did it. I mean, Jeremy spares no detail when telling Hamilton what happened. Jeremy told Hamilton that he shot Tyrone a few times. Then he walked up closer and executed the kill shot. After hearing this, Hamilton is now torn. What does he do? He's fearful for his own life. Heck, if Jeremy is crazy enough to kill Tyrone, he is most definitely capable of killing a rat. Hamilton sleeps on it, but it is tearing his soul out. And the next day, he goes to the chaplain and he told the chaplain what he knew. Now, if you know anything, chaplains are basically sworn to secrecy. Now, chaplains are, you know, religious advisors, I guess you can say. But we don't know what the chaplain told Hamilton. But if I was a betting woman, it's probably something to the effect of you need to do the right thing and report what you know. But Hamilton is not so sure this is a great idea. So he sleeps on it for a couple more days. And by Friday, he was ready to go to CID at Fort Stewart. And he comes forward and told military investigators what he heard from Jeremy. 
and it all started in Korea. Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's, adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game, and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. What I love about June's Journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in a detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. Back in Korea, it was no secret that Jeremy Cuellar and Kamaya Hassel were having an affair. While they kept it a secret from everyone, there was one person they didn't keep it a secret from, Hamilton. Kamaya and Jeremy couldn't keep their hands off each other behind closed doors. And behind closed doors, Hamilton was often hanging out with them. In June of 2018, a few months into their deployment, Jeremy approached Hamilton and told him, Buddy's gotta go. Hamilton was confused. He's like, Jeremy, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And Jeremy told him, I got to get rid of Kamaya's husband. Hamilton is listening to this and he's stunned. He really thinks Jeremy is yanking his chain. And Jeremy continues to tell Hamilton that they have the perfect plan. They plan on killing Tyrone while they're on block leave back in Michigan. That way, it'll never be tracked back to them. And Hamilton asks Jeremy what Kamaya thinks of this entire plan. And Jeremy's like, oh, it's got to be done. She, it's mutual. She's in on it. They both want him gone. And Jeremy told Hamilton that the insurance money was just kind of like the icing on the cake. Now, Hamilton asked Jeremy, hey, man, are you sure about this plan? And Jeremy said yes. Hamilton was really uncomfortable with the conversation. So, he doesn't say anything else, but he also didn't really think that Jeremy and Kamaya were capable of murder. So he brushes it off as some soldiers just being ridiculous. Little did he know, though, that they would follow through with their threat. Army criminal investigators hear what Hamilton says, and they cannot take any chances. Within two hours of Hamilton coming forward, Fort Stewart CID is working closely with their civilian counterparts in Liberty County. And they have Jeremy under surveillance because he lives off base of Fort Stewart. He doesn't live on Fort Stewart. The civilians get the necessary arrest warrant and search warrants, and they arrest Jeremy Cuellar at home without incident. They bring Jeremy Cuellar to a back room to interrogate him. But without skipping a beat, Jeremy requests an attorney and all questioning ends. Jeremy never makes a statement to the police. But back in Michigan, Kamaya doesn't know this. And she is singing like a canary. But honestly, thankfully, Jeremy didn't do a very good job covering his tracks because this investigation is thorough and they are not leaving any stone unturned. 
A search of Jeremy's 2018 black Chevy Impala reveals 9mm bullets in the car. It also reveals divorce papers in the back seat. Yes, Jeremy Cuellar was actually married during this time. They also find a 9mm magazine with seven bullets, and they find a sprint bag with a receipt dated January 1st, 2019 for the purchase of a brand new iPhone. They also find a Walmart receipt showing the purchase of a handheld GPS device, which he purchased during his block leave in Chicago. At Jeremy's home, they find a temporary firearm registration form from a gun that Jeremy had recently purchased from another soldier in mid-December. And that gun, by the way, was never recovered. He told Hamilton he got rid of it in Chicago. A poll from Jeremy's old phone revealed that he had traveled from Chicago to Benton Harbor, Michigan, three times prior to the night that Tyrone was gunned down. And on his fourth trip from Chicago to Benton Harbor, he shot and killed Tyrone. Well, of course, the phone records didn't show that, but they did show he was in the area. Not only do cell phone towers point to Jeremy being in the area, his car was caught on a license plate reader on the actual night of the murder in the Benton Harbor area. The evidence against Jeremy Cuellar was overwhelming. But the physical evidence against Kamaya was kind of lacking if you're looking for a smoking gun, you know? But investigators knew that she was the mastermind. I mean, for crying out loud, she told police that she and Jeremy planned the entire murder in Korea. And Jeremy kept his end of the bargain. He refused to talk. Now, if you know anything about criminal law, you know that you can't just convict someone on their testimony alone. There has to be something else. But in this case, the question was, would detectives have enough to convict Kamaya? Jeremy and Kamaya are, of course, charged with first-degree murder of Tyrone Hassel III. And Kamaya's trial was up first. When Kamaya was charged with her husband's murder, her family was stunned. Tyrone's family was also stunned. Never in a million years would they have imagined that Kamaya was capable of ordering a hit on her husband. Heck, they seemed like a pretty chill couple. They didn't even argue a lot. Tyrone called Kamaya his queen. I mean, no kidding, her number was input to his cell phone as my queen. So when Kamaya was calling him, it no kidding rang my queen. The evidence against Jeremy was mounting up quickly, so prosecutors had to use that mounting evidence against Kamaya. So let's talk about Kamaya's trial that took place in the summer of 2019. At trial, the prosecutor opens up the case telling the jurors that Kamaya had murder on her mind and betrayal in her heart. During the holiday 2018 season, Kamaya wanted one thing for the holidays. She wanted her husband dead. You know why? She wanted his insurance money and she didn't want to have to deal with Tyrone's little sister at her house. So she needed this murder executed stat. The prosecutor presented evidence that according to official Snapchat records, Kamaya did not have a Snapchat account, but they presented evidence that according to Tyrone III's phone, Kamaya did in fact have a Snapchat account at some point. You see, it turns out that Kamaya deleted her Snapchat account, but guess who didn't? Jeremy. They presented evidence at trial that showed that Jeremy's phone had in fact been communicating nonstop with Kamaya's phone during Christmas and New Year's 2018 using Snapchat. 
The prosecutor also presented evidence that Kamaya had Googled, how do I delete my Snapchat account? And you know when she Googled that? After her husband's murder. And just two days after Tyrone was gunned down, she no kidding Googled, what should I do after paying off the house? Prosecutors presented her confession to the jury, of course, which was like a smoking gun. And the confession where Kamaya admits that she's just as guilty as Jeremy. But listen, the most damning of all evidence that they presented was probably Kamaya's jailhouse calls to her mom. Oh my goodness. Listening to these calls make you want to cringe. I mean, I say that it makes you want to cringe whether you're Kamaya's mom, whether you're Tyrone's parents, whether you're just Joe Schmo on the street. Whatever way you spin it, these phone calls make you want to pull your hair out. The call takes place the day that Kamaya is booked into jail. And she calls her mom and her mom is like, Kamaya, what the hell is going on here? And Kamaya, without any emotion, tells her mom that she knew what was going to happen to Tyrone. She tells her mom, we planned it in Korea. And her mom is like, Kamaya, Kamaya, what is someone making you say this? And Kamaya's like, no, mom, no. Kamaya's mom asks her, why didn't you just break up? And Kamaya said that he wasn't letting her and she was scared to tell anyone what was going on. But mom, she stops her right there and she's like, blah, 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 blah. you could have told me. Kamaya tells her mom that she didn't want to disappoint her. And it's in this moment where the hairs on your body stand up as you're listening. Because Kamaya's mom, she holds nothing back. She's like, girl, wait a dang minute. She, she doesn't actually say that, but she says, ah, I'm disappointed in this. I ain't disappointed in that other stuff. I'm disappointed in that my grandbaby doesn't have his mama and his daddy. That's what I'm disappointed in. I'm disappointed that you know better. And at that moment, mama had her mic drop. Because how many other stories have I told where we could have saved everyone the agony of losing a loved one if we just had that mama's voice? That mama's voice just in the back of our head playing 24-7. Kamaya tells her mom, Mom, I wasn't thinking straight. And Kamaya's mom says what we all think. She says, Kamaya, is someone forcing you to say this stuff? Because this sounds like a TV show. And the mom further tells her, listen, if you wanted to leave, Ty would have let you leave. For her to think anything else is just a lie. And she further says, quote, my grandchild doesn't have any parents now for no reason at all, end quote. And this conversation was probably the nail in Kamaya's coffin. But the prosecution, they also brought in Hamilton. They had the emergency responders testify. They had all the experts testify. And listen, Kamaya didn't appear sympathetic sitting at the defense table. She never shed a single tear when they described what happened to Tyrone. If anything, she shed a few tears, but those were mostly for herself. And after it was all said and done, the jury found Kamaya Hassel guilty of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. When her verdict was read, Kamaya Hassel didn't 
even flinch. It was almost like she already knew her fate. For her role in Tyrone's murder, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Sadly, Kamaya Hassel had her entire life ahead of her. She had a young son. She was only 22 years old. Yet she threw it all away at the prospect of being half a million dollars wealthier. Well, Jeremy Cuellar was up next. And from a statement that Tyrone Hassel Jr. made, Jeremy originally was set to plead no contest, which is a plea where you are not admitting guilt, but you accept responsibility, kind of. But at the last minute, Jeremy had a change of heart and he instead pled guilty to second degree murder. After his guilty plea, it appeared that Jeremy Cuellar really wanted to say something in the courtroom, but because of time or the forum or the conclusion of the trial, it just felt incomplete. At least that's how it felt for Tyrone Hassel Jr. So Tyrone Hassel Jr. did something kind of out of left field. After Jeremy was convicted of second degree murder, but before sentencing, Tyrone Hassel Jr. visited Jeremy Cuellar in jail and they spoke for close to an hour. And this hour-long conversation was recorded. And when I tell you that I watched this video in shock and horror, I'm not kidding, I watched it in shock and horror. Before I begin giving you a synopsis of the conversation, let me just tell you that the poise with which Tyrone's mom and dad conduct themselves in this case is beyond words. They are very calm, and respectful despite the pain that you see in their eyes from the senseless loss of their son. While I watch them speak to reporters in court or even on true crime shows, I seriously just want to shout out in anguish because that's how I feel they should be reacting, right? And for that, I just respect this family so much. And this conversation with his son's killer is just an example of the type of person that Tyrone Jr. is. When the filming begins, Jeremy is shocked to be having this conversation with Tyrone Jr. I mean, imagine speaking to the father of someone you killed. But you can tell that Jeremy has had a lot of time to contemplate his life choices while behind bars. Tyrone tells Jeremy, listen, while it pains him that his son is gone, he finds that he wants to know every painful morsel of information about his son's death. He just wants to know everything. Maybe this will bring him closure. And listen, Jeremy Cuellar, he's not shy to tell Tyrone what went down and he doesn't hide any details. And sometimes you kind of cringe or like, why are you saying this? But he doesn't hide. He doesn't hide any detail. And mind you, this is the first time that we hear from Jeremy Cuellar because everything else we've heard from Hamilton or Kamaya but this is straight from the killer's mouth. And this is the story that Jeremy tells Tyrone Jr. Jeremy says that he was assigned to Kamaya's unit at Fort Stewart. And when he arrived at Fort Stewart, he didn't have a car. So Kamaya was kind of like his sponsor, taking him to and from. Jeremy was married at the time, but, but his wife was not with him and they were going through a difficult time. And in fact, it seemed like they were on the verge of a divorce. So Kamaya and Jeremy, they bonded while speaking ill of their spouses. But it wasn't anything intimate, right? It was just like friends. They were just friends. In fact, 
On one occasion, Jeremy was messing around with another girl and he called Kamaya to help him get a plan B pill for this chick that he was sleeping with. And Kamaya came through as a real friend would. Eventually, the two of them exchange Snapchat contact information and Jeremy finds that he's always liking Kamaya's pictures and they start communicating about other stuff. Eventually, they're preparing for their Korea deployment when they're in a computer lab of sorts and Kamaya Snapchats him a message, in essence, telling him that she's horny. And that night, it seems that they screw around for the first time. Eventually, they all deploy, and it's during their third or fourth month of deployment that things start to get hot and heavy for Kamaya and Jeremy. One day, they return from updating their life insurance plans, and Kamaya comments to him, you know, hey, you know, who's on your life insurance plan? And he tells her that his mother would be the beneficiary, or that his mother is the beneficiary of his life insurance. And Kamaya kind of tells him that her and her husband are each other's beneficiaries. But then she starts to daydream out loud asking, oh, my God, can you imagine what I would do with $400,000? I mean, I would pay off my house. And Jeremy's like, dang, girl, you thought about all that? And she's kind of like laughs and she says, yes. Well, according to Jeremy, conversations like this, they continue to happen about five or six separate times before Kamaya convinces Jeremy that they should actually kill Tyrone. Now, mind you, Jeremy says, hey, we were always just planning on getting a divorce. But then when Kamaya brought this up, you know, I was kind of down for that. By this point, Jeremy's relationship with his wife was already deteriorated. And Jeremy really took to Kamaya and her son. And he actually envisioned killing Tyrone and then stepping into his life, you know, taking his wife, raising his son as his own. Like, it's just like really absurd thinking. Mind you, Jeremy is telling all of this to Tyrone Jr. And Tyrone Jr. is very calm. But you can see in his eyes that if he could just break the window barrier and smash Jeremy's face in, he would. During block leave, Jeremy says that Kamaya, she wants him to kill Tyrone. And Jeremy says that he is so blindly in love with this woman that he would do anything. On three separate occasions, he says he drives from Chicago to Benton Harbor and he watches Tyrone. He is stalking him. But every time he sees Tyrone, Tyrone, you know, comes from a large family. He's never alone. On one occasion, Jeremy is hiding out by the trash cans right outside of Tyrone Jr.'s house. And Tyrone III is outside. So they're like feet from each other. But Tyrone III is with a friend or a brother or somebody. And Jeremy messages Kamaya like, bro, this guy is never alone. And Kamaya's like, yeah, I know. But can you just like do it already? And Jeremy's like, no, man, he's with somebody. Like, what's wrong with you? And Kamaya, no kidding, tells Jeremy, just get them both, a.k.a. just kill both of them. Kill Jeremy and whoever he's with. And Jeremy's like, girl, you crazy. No, 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 no. Now, while Jeremy is talking, to Tyrone Jr., he realizes how insane this sounds. But, you know, it sounds insane now that he's saying it. And he realizes that I should have just abandoned this entire plan when she said that, but he didn't. On New Year's Eve, it was his fourth trip to Benton Harbor. And Jeremy said that Tyrone III was at the party. 
And Jeremy didn't really feel like waiting around. In fact, Jeremy had cold feet. That's why he, that's why he hadn't done it already is because he had cold feet. Now, at this point, Jeremy asked Kamaya if he could see her and Chunk before he left back to Chicago. In fact, he was like, hey, Kamaya, can I get a quickie? He was feeling some sort of way. You know, he's like, dang, this girl, I drove back and forth and back and forth for her. I mean, I haven't even spent any time with her. You know, he, he figured he'd at least get him a little action. But Kamaya, she shut him down real quick. She was like, no, no, no. You are here for a different reason. And that statement, I don't know, like really upset Jeremy. And Jeremy was like, I'm out of here, deuces. And he took off. He was back on his way to Chicago. But minutes later, Kamaya asked Jeremy to come back because Tyrone was bringing her food. Mind you, she had just turned him down. And Jeremy was already pissed. He didn't want to return back to Benton Harbor. But Kamaya begged him to please, please, please come back. And so he did. But this time, Jeremy was fueled with anger. To a certain extent, he knew he was being used. But if Kamaya wanted Tyrone dead, that's exactly what Jeremy was going to do. So Jeremy returned to the house. He parked in that empty driveway with the for sale sign on it. And he went and waited for Tyrone. As Tyrone was about to open his truck door to go back to the party, Jeremy shot him multiple times. And then he got a little closer and shot him again. But as Jeremy is describing this very graphic scene to Tyrone Jr., you can tell that Jeremy is filled with so much anger. And he says that as he's shooting Tyrone, he's thinking about Kamaya. He's actually thinking, quote, you want it done? Here you go, end quote. And that's why he says he shot Tyrone so many times. Tyrone Jr. is listening to this and he is stunned. He asked Jeremy, so you thought you could live happily ever after, after that? I mean, you have two people who know what they did. Does that make the trust stronger or is it untrustworthy? And Jeremy simply responds, quote, I thought I was special, end quote. Throughout this conversation, Jeremy jumps all over the place. And Jeremy admits that there was a coworker named Tatiana who tried to stop Jeremy from seeing Kamaya. But Jeremy thought that this girl was just jealous. Jeremy even brings up Hamilton. He says that when he told Hamilton his plan in Korea, he thought Hamilton would try and stop him. But since he didn't, he kind of saw that lack of a response as a green light for him to continue with his plan. He no kidding says, I'm kind of mad at Hamilton for not telling me not to do it. <laughs> Excuse me, what? During the conversation, you could tell that Jeremy didn't want the conversation to end. He admitted to Tyrone Jr. that he only had two interactions with Tyrone III and they were never bad. One time, Jeremy was in the back of the car and Tyrone was in the front seat and they talked about Chicago. And that's when he was new to the base. And the second time they interacted was in Korea during a basketball game when Jeremy made five three-pointers and Tyrone commented on his shooting skills. And that was it. That was the extent of his interactions with Tyrone III. Jeremy told Tyrone Jr. that he found God in jail and he had been reading the Bible a lot. He really wished he would have found God before the murder. Before Tyrone Jr. left, he told Jeremy, quote, for your sake, just stay in that Bible. That's the only thing that will help. Just keep doing what you're doing because true enough, you killed my son. 
and I look at you and I don't think you're a bad guy to hang out with. You seem like a good cat, especially I hate the situation had to happen to my son. The only thing I can do is I have to visit him in the grave. I did want to hear what you have to say. I guess I'll see you at sentencing, end quote. During a very tense minute, Jeremy asked Tyrone Jr. to come back and visit him. And Tyrone Jr. said, quote, I'm going to have to do a lot of what you're doing. I'm going to have to talk to God and work on that. But I'm going to keep an open mind, end quote. <laughs> Y'all, I seriously cried when Tyrone Jr. said that because if it was me, I'd be like, burn in hell. Click. You know, I got that Latina grudge factor. I never, ever, ever forget. Well, a few months later, Jeremy had to face the music and be sentenced. At sentencing, Jeremy faced the wrath of an angry mama. Tyrone's mom confronted Jeremy. She said, you wanted my son's life. You wanted to walk in my son's shoes. But guess what? She looked him straight in the eyes and she said, you could never be half the man that my son was. And with that, Mike dropped. Jeremy sat at the defense table and he cried like a baby. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. He apologized profusely. He recognized he was a fool for listening to Kamaya. He said he found God in jail and he begged for mercy. And while he was hoping to get a little leniency, he was schwacked with a 65-year to 90-year sentence. I mean, I think it's fitting. Honestly, I think life without parole was the best option, but he got what he got. After the sentencing hearing, Wood TVA interviewed Tyrone's mom and she simply said that while Jeremy's tears can't bring back her son, she was glad to see that God was working on him. And with that, Tyrone Hassel III's family, they closed that chapter of their life. They felt that this was the closure they needed. Tyrone got justice, and now they had to start picking up the pieces. But sadly, that was not the case. Because in 2020 and 2021, another legal battle ensued the appeals. In 2020, Jeremy, after all the tears, well, he requested to withdraw his guilty plea claiming ineffective assistance of counsel. Remember when he originally wanted to plead no contest? Well, it appears that his defense attorney told Jeremy that a no contest deal was not a good option for him because he would risk additional charges from the army. And if the army picked up the case, they might actually seek the death penalty. Well, now Jeremy was saying that he was coerced by his trial defense attorney to plead guilty. When the media caught up to Tyrone Jr. outside his house about this appeal, he was appalled at Jeremy's audacity. He was upset to have to possibly relive this nightmare. But in a calm demeanor, he said to Jeremy, bring it. Let's relive this experience one last time. But this time you get life. Well, it would never have to come to that because the court denied Jeremy's request and his appeals were denied all the way up to the Michigan Supreme Court. And that denial took place just a few months ago in August of 2021. But wait, you know, Kamaya could not just take her punishment and go quietly. Kamaya requested a new trial, claiming that her husband was abusive. 
and that her original defense attorney was ineffective. Specifically, she claimed that her attorney should have attempted to suppress her fully Mirandized statement to the police, and he should have pursued a battered woman syndrome. Now, I have been unable to find a final appellate court decision, but if anything crazy happens, which I doubt it will, please follow me on social for updates. I mean, I watched the the trial. I don't think her appeal has any legs to stand on. Another thing that I wanted to say before I ended was that during the trial, one of Tyrone III's army buddies, he testified that while he was in Korea, the friend, he saw Kamaya and Jeremy were getting a little too close for comfort. And this friend actually told Tyrone III, like, hey, listen, I saw your girl and she was getting a little close with a guy. And this friend testified that Tyrone took the friend seriously and simply called Kamaya and they talked about it on the phone and everything seemed good. And it's just so sad because it was almost as if Tyrone knew something could have been going on with Kamaya and Jeremy, but he also just didn't believe it. And I guess Kamaya never gave him any indication to believe that she was unfaithful. Sadly, besides Tyrone Hassel III, who lost his life, the real victim in all of this is little baby Chunk. This story just reminds us that divorce is better than murder. Hey everyone, if you want to link up, join me tonight at 9 p.m. Central Time on TikTok, where I plan on going live to chat with all of you. My TikTok is Military Margot with a T at the end. We can chat about this case. We can chat about other cases. Just come one or come all. I look forward to seeing everyone tonight. And for everyone who follows me on TikTok, make sure you follow my backup on Instagram, Military Murder Podcast, because I keep getting all types of warnings from TikTok. So you may want to follow me on Military Murder Podcast on Instagram, because if my TikTok gets shut down, that's where I'm going to be doing all my stories and stuff. This show was created by Mama Margot Productions. Shout out to my newest associate producer, Jonathan. Love you, boo. And I want to also give a shout out to some of my other supporters, my new supporters, Jen and Shonda. Thank you so much for joining the fan club. If you want more content, make sure you check out the fan club where you can get at least 16 or 17 full length bonus episodes. So if you got a road trip coming up or if you need more content for your way to work or coming home or working out, make sure you visit patreon.com slash military murder. The music in the show was created by TyOps. Until next time, remember, you never really know what someone is capable of. So remain vigilant always. You have a fabulous week and I'll keep digging to bring you another military murder story next time. Working on our podcast. I don't want to.